very warm welcome to everybody this morning, and we pray that we'll all know God's blessing, and uh, welcome to all who may be joining with us on behalf of Stornoway Free Church. Uh, I want to give an intimation, first of all, and uh, it's with regard to next Lord's Day. And next Lord's Day, we plan to extend the attendances in the church. There'll be a Gaelic service here next Lord's Day at 11 o'clock, but in the church, we hope to extend the number who are able to attend both services in Kenneth Street. And information about the numbers will be made during the week once more, uh, uh, once the, the sort of the, we're able to reckon, keeping the two meter distancing, how many will be able to uh, go. It's reckoned between 100 to 130, but information will be given later in the week as to how many actually will be able to go. So. That's for next Lord's Day in Kenneth Street Church. And you do remember the prayer meeting will be on Wednesday here in the seminary. Again, we'll be just keeping to the, to the 50. And uh, uh, it'll also be on Zoom. We're going to begin our worship this morning, singing from Psalm 122. And this is in the Scottish Psalter, Psalm 122. And it's a recorded singing, Psalm 122, from the Scottish Psalter. I joyed when to the house of God go up, they said to me, Jerusalem within thy gates our feet shall standing be. Jerusalem as a city is compactly built together, and to that place the tribes go up, the tribes of God go thither. To Israel's testimony there, to God's name, thanks to pay. For thrones of judgment, even the thrones of David's house, their stay. Pray that Jerusalem may have peace and felicity. Let them that love thee and thy peace have still prosperity. Therefore I wish that peace may still within thy walls remain. And ever may thy palaces prosperity retain. Now for my friends and brethren's sakes, peace be in thee, I'll say. And for the house of God, our Lord, I'll seek thy good always. Psalm 122, the whole psalm, I joyed, went to the house of God.
prayer. <clears throat> o Lord, our gracious God, as we bow in your presence today, we ask that you will grant us grace to worship you aright. We give thanks, Lord, for being able to gather together in this way. And we give thanks, Lord, for the way that things are beginning to open up. And we pray that that will continue. We pray that we will not go back into another lockdown, uh, but that there will be a development and a progression and that we'll soon be able to sing together as we worship you because we know what an integral part of the worship that is. Uh, we long to be able to sit closer together because we know that uh, the fellowship, uh, the togetherness is such a vital part of, of our worship, of being collectively together in the presence of God. We pray that you'll watch over us and that you'll open the word to us afresh today. <clears throat> We give thanks, O oh Lord, for the way you work with us and the way you work in us. And so often, even as we look at ourselves, we realize uh, what difficult projects we are because we are so complex and uh, we are so slow to learn. And so we pray for teachable spirits. And we ask, Lord, that we might be made willing to conform to your word and to your will and to your way. We ask you, Lord, to forgive us for our stubbornness and for how, how slow we are to comply with what your word requires of us, because so much of the time we want to do our own thing, and we are not prepared to submit under your word and under your way and to your will. And uh, although there is a desire within us so to do, there is another force and power within us that... Uh, that fights against that, that resists that. But we give thanks, O Lord, for the all-conquering power of your Spirit. And we give thanks, O Lord, that this ongoing work is such that we are being changed more and more into the image of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray then that you will bless us this day as we wait upon you. And we ask, Lord, that you will be with us in body, mind, and soul. We pray for all our loved ones. We pray for families and friends and ask that you will do them good. We give thanks for the great privilege of prayer and where we're able to bring before you our needs, our requests, our petitions, our desires, our longings. We're able to bring before you our confessions and bring before you our praise and adoration and where we're able to bring before you our intercessions and supplications. And so we ask, O oh Lord, that you will hear us and that you will do in us and for us far and beyond anything that we could ask or think. We pray that you will prosper your cause. And even although the doors have been closed of your churches up and down this land over this last year, uh, we give thanks, Lord, for the way that the gospel has still been communicated. And we pray that through that lockdown that there will be many an open door has been made into people's hearts and into people's homes. And we pray that there will be a, uh, people will be receptive to the gospel, maybe in a way that they hadn't been before. We pray that barriers will be broken down. And we ask, O oh Lord, that the powers of atheism uh, and humanism, which so uh, flood our land, that these powers might be broken more and more, so that people will, will acknowledge you as the God of heaven and earth. We pray that you will bless us, bless us nationally and bless us internationally. 
And we think of places like India just now in the face of, the, of uh, so much uh, suffering in light of the, the COVID pandemic which is sweeping through that great nation. And we pray that you will help them in their distress. Pray for all other areas uh, where it is taking grip. Remember Cambodia and Muriel, we commit her and her work to you there. We pray, Lord, that you will, that you will prosper your, your cause and your work throughout the nations of this world, and particularly areas which, are, are, which do not allow the freedom to worship as we enjoy. And we pray that we might always enjoy that freedom. And we know that there are influences at work that will try more and more to prevent the freedom that we do have. But we pray, Lord, that you will never allow uh, the liberties that we enjoy to be taken from us. They were won at a cost. And we pray, Lord, that they will always be given to us and help us to remember that uh, they are given to us by yourself. And so we pray that we do not take them for granted, but we give thanks for them and pray, Lord, that we will always have the freedom to worship and to proclaim your name and your truth. We ask, Lord, that you will be with the sick and the suffering, those who are laid aside. Remember those of our own number who are ill at this time. We commit them to your care and keeping. Pray for those who mourn, whose hearts are heavy and sore. Those, Lord, who have found that their lives have been turned upside down. And whether it's weeks ago or months ago or years ago, their life still feels upside down. And they're still sad and they're still sore. And so we pray that you will bring peace into their troubled souls and that you will fill their soul with blessing and with good things. Lord, we pray for our young people. We give thanks for them. Give thanks, Lord, for all the work that has been done in Sunday school and in day school throughout this uh, period of lockdown. And we pray, Lord, that you will continue to, to bless teachers and pupils alike. And uh, we pray, Lord, that your word will go into young hearts and that uh, souls will come to know you at a very young age. We give thanks, O oh Lord, for all our young people and we commit them to your care and keeping. We ask that now that you will do as good as we come under your word and we pray that we will hear what God the Lord will speak. Have mercy upon us, we pray, O oh Lord, and cleanse us uh, from our every sin, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask all. Amen. <clears throat> and I'm just going to say a, a wee word to, to the young folk just now. At the back of, our, back of the house, there's a, where there's a huge there is a huge clump of earth because we're hoping to make a garden. The earth has all been flattened and we're hoping to make a lawn out of that. And the, I don't know, I have no idea, I'm sure some of you young people are, uh, if you don't know now, you'll be able to find out, I'm sure there's a, a scientific reason as to why stones keep appearing. But uh, when we started to rake stones out of the earth, the more we raked, the more the stones appeared because we've shifted barrel loads of stones and then the next morning you look out and there's even more stones. And you'd almost think that somebody came at night and started scattering stones. Now, there'll be a reason as to why stones must 
uh, rise up to the surface. I don't know, but there must be some reason. But it seems that the more stones you gather, the more stones appear. And uh, the funny thing is that, to begin with, when, when I looked out, I thought, oh, there's not that many stones here. All we need to do is really get a roller in, flatten it completely properly, and then sow the seed. But then I thought, oh, no, we'll, we'll have to lift some stones. But as I say, it's once you start raking it up, more and more and more seem to appear. And I began to think, how like our own sinful heart that is, the way what the Bible shows us about ourselves. Because when we look at ourselves, very often we look at ourselves and we measure ourselves against other people. And we look at maybe other boys and other girls or other teenagers or grown-ups do the same thing and they say, oh, I'm, I'm not too bad. They look at what people do and they say, oh, well, that's kind of, it's kind of like what I do as well. But you know, when we begin to scratch under the surface, when we begin to really look in, and when we ask God to show us what we're really like, and when God's Spirit shines into our heart, we begin to see, dear me, it's, it's, like, it's like when you start raking, and stones and more stones and more stones and more stones appear. That's the kind of way it is within our heart of stones of sin and big boulders of sin and all sorts of things that maybe you didn't see before. Maybe sin, the great sin of idolatry where you put somebody else or something else in place of God. Sins of being jealous. Sins of being covetous, wanting what other people have. Sin of being angry or proud. Of course, the great boulder of sin is not wanting Jesus as your Savior. That's the worst sin of, of all. And people sometimes don't realize what a big sin it is. So it's when we begin to, by God's Spirit, with God's Word, to look into our heart, we begin to see what we're really like. And that's where we need to ask for Jesus to cleanse us, to clean us from all our sin, because only he can and ask Jesus to become Lord of our life. Let's say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. We're going to read God's word now from the Gospel according to Luke chapter 2. The Gospel of Luke chapter 2. And we're going to read from the beginning of the chapter, Luke chapter 2. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, 
to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that, the, that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the Christ, the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you are prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for the revelation of the Gentiles, and for the glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And God's sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed, and so on. Amen. And may God bless to us uh, this reading of his own 
holy word. Now, before we reflect upon that, we're going to sing again from Psalm 84. And this is from Sing Psalms, no, sorry, Psalm 118 from Sing Psalms. And we're going to sing the last four verses uh, of the psalm, and Ali's going to sing for us Psalm 118. And uh, we're going to sing from verse, uh, from verse 25, it's three stanzas, sorry. Uh, Save us, O Lord, we humbly pray. O Lord, we pray, grant us success. Uh, he's blessed who comes in God's great name. You from the Lord's house we will bless. And so on. Psalm 118, verses 25 to 29. Save us, O Lord, we humbly pray. Save us, O Lord, we humbly pray. O Lord, we pray, grant us success. He's blessed to comes in God's great name. You from the Lord's house we Turn again now to Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 2, and reading at verse 25. Luke chapter 2, verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous uh, and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for them according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Now, we, we don't know very much about this man, Simeon. Uh, he obviously uh, was, without a shadow of doubt, a lovely Christian. He was somebody, we're told, who was uh, full of the Spirit. These were dark days in, in Israel. There was, uh, the true faith was at a fairly low ebb. There was a lot of religiosity, uh, but not much in the way of true active faith. 
But this was a very spiritual man. And it's very obvious he was a man who was very content with his lot. And you know, there's a great contentment when, when the Lord is at the center of a person's life. And it's very obvious that the Lord was at the center of Simeon's life. It gives a contentment. And I believe that that's part of what's wrong with society today is Jesus is pushed more and more away, pushed out from the center of society, that there is a genuine lack of contentment. Uh, as the Bible says, godliness, uh, godliness uh, is, is brings great godliness with contentment. It's great gain, and it is it is uh, the great gain. Now, a little of the background to this, we find in verse 21 that Jesus is given his name at the time of his circumcision. And you remember that this was a name, the name that Jesus was given was not a name that was chosen by Mary and Joseph, but a name that was given by the angel. And of course, for the Jews, a name was very significant. The name meant a lot. Every name has a, has a meaning. And maybe, maybe the name that you have been given is a family name. It's maybe run through your family for, for generations. And, or maybe it's just a name that your mum or your dad liked. And if you don't already know what your name means, look it up, because every name does have a meaning. But for the Jews, the, the name was very important, and it often signified an event within their lives. For instance, the likes of Samuel, which means asked of God or heard of God. And you remember how Hannah uh, was childless and was so desperate to have a child. And remember how she went to the temple and she prayed. And she asked the Lord, Lord, if you will give me a child, I'll give this child back to you. And of course, the Lord heard uh, Hannah's prayer and uh, she had little Samuel and of course she, she dedicated Samuel, gave Samuel back to work in the temple uh, from, from a young age. So that was heard of God or asked of God. So the name of course is, is, was very important. But Jesus' name was given from heaven. The angel had told Mary what his name was going to be. There were four babies that were named from heaven. We have Ishmael, who was the, the son of, uh, well, Abraham's son with Hagar. Isaac was also named. God told uh, Abraham and Sarah what the baby was going to be. And, of course, we have Jesus and we have John the Baptist. Uh, his name, the angel, of course, told uh, that uh, the name was to be John. Now, as we know, Jesus, uh, the name Jesus is the same as Joshua, in the Old Testament, uh, which of course means Jehovah is salvation. And we've often said it before uh, that the, the Old Testament, which foreshadowed and taught us all that was happening in the New, you remember how Moses, who represented the law, led Israel all the way to the borders of the Promised Land. And it was very harsh on Moses. It always seemed, I always thought it was so harsh on Moses how he wasn't allowed into the promised land because it was his great dream to lead the people all the way in. But remember, because of how he had sinned in front of the people, God said, you won't enter in. 
But of course there was a spiritual meaning as well. Because Moses, who represented the law, couldn't take, the law can't take a person into salvation. Bible tells us the law is the schoolmaster to lead us to Christ. That takes us all the way to the borders of. But it is Joshua, Jehovah's salvation, Jesus, who takes us into salvation, who gives us salvation. So, remember Alistair, I always used to say that the Old Testament was God's picture book. And that is so true that all these pictures in the Old Testament are so illustrative of what, of what God is doing. And so uh, we find that Jesus, this is the name, the angel said his name shall be Jesus, for he shall save his, his people from their sins. Now back in verse 10, we find there, it tells us, uh, the angel said, For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, of course, the Christ is the equivalent uh, of the Hebrew Messiah, the Anointed One, the one chosen by the Father who was going to come to redeem and to save his people, the Anointed, the Chosen One, to carry out the great work of salvation. But he is also Lord, which, of course, was the word used for the God of Israel. So Jesus, his name shall be called Jesus, is also the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, who is also Lord. So you see that in Jesus, we have Jesus being completely human. A baby as human as you and me. Not a bit human, not mostly human, but totally human, apart from uh, sin. He was sinless. But he's also God, a very God, Lord, the God of Israel. So this is, this is this Jesus here. And that's what qualifies him to be Savior, to save us from our sins. And you know, the wonderful thing is that this is how Jesus came. He came as a Savior. Because Jesus is a lot of things. He's the lawgiver. Jesus is prophet, he's priest, he's king, he's judge. Because remember, we've all to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And how thankful we are that he didn't come the first time as Jesus the judge, as Christ the judge. Because if he had come simply as a judge, people would have been hesitant in going near him. But he came as a savior who came to deal with their sins one day he's coming, he will be as a judge. But at present, he is still the Savior. And the great question is, has Jesus saved you? Has he saved me? Has he saved us from our sins? If he has, then, you know, we're like Simeon. We can say, now let your servant depart in peace. If he hasn't saved you from your sins, the question is, why not? Because it's the most important thing that can ever happen to you in this world. So if you haven't had, asked Jesus to be your saviour, please go to him and ask him now. So we find Jesus as a little baby. He's brought to the temple here. And it was according to the law at the time of purification here that when a baby was 40 days old, this was part of the, the Jewish law, a law that is found in, in Leviticus and we find there that they had to bring the sacrifice that was found 
was uh, two turtle doves and two young pigeons. Now, it's very interesting. If we go to Leviticus, I think it's in chapter 12, and if we read there, the requirement actually is for a, a lamb. But if the family are too poor to provide a lamb, then it was two turtle doves and two pigeons, which shows us that Mary and Joseph were poor. Jesus, and this is something that's worth highlighting, Jesus was brought up in, in what we close to poverty. Jesus grew up in a home that had very, very little. And I think that's important for us to understand because people often today, when, when there is so much poverty around, and people will say, well, does the Lord understand? Do Christians understand? Well, we've got to remember that Jesus Christ, his whole life was marked out by poverty. In fact, he made himself poor in order that we might become rich. That's what we're told. That it is through his poverty that we have been made rich. That's a, the wonder, the beauty of, uh, of uh, this salvation. And of course, Jesus wept in order that we may rejoice. Jesus experienced death that we might have life. Jesus experienced all these things for us. He went under the law in order that we might be made free. So here we are and they've come to the temple. And in the temple there's this man called Simeon who lived very, very close to the Lord. And you know there, there are some Christians and there's a stamp about them, there's a mark about them. There's something about their life and it's very, very obvious that they live close to the Lord. There seems to be a spiritual discernment that characterizes our life. And we're told in the Bible that the, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. And it's very obvious that this man, Simeon, was such a person that the secret of the Lord uh, was with him. And God had given uh, Simeon a promise. And the promise was very simple. That he was going to see before he died... He was going to see the Lord's Christ. He was going to see the Messiah. And his faith was such that he, lay, he, he grasped that promise and he clung to it, lay hold upon it, and he was absolutely persuaded of the reality of it. You know, maybe God has given you a promise. Maybe something in God's word has been made very, very close and powerful and real to you in your life. And when you read it or heard it, or the verse came to you, it came with a power that enabled you to believe. And you lay hold upon that, and it's still with you today. Sometimes it might, parents can often find that with regard to their children, with regard to their children's salvation. But the thing is that very often when we're given a promise, a promise will be tested. Because God uh, builds up our faith by testing it. And quite often, his promises are tested within our life. And there will be days when God's promise is really tested. Because sometimes you will, your heart will be filled with doubts and fears, and you wonder if this promise is true. And Satan often has a field day with God's promises, particularly if, if it appears the providence is going directly against what God has promised. And even other Christians can call into question and say, are you sure? Are you, 
Maybe you've got it wrong. Do you really do you really believe that? Is that what God really said? Well, if you have been given that promise by the Lord, you hold to it and ask God to to enable you to to see the fulfilment of that promise uh, at at some point or, or another. So the Holy Spirit had made clear to Simeon that uh, he would see the Lord's Christ before he died, and one day. Uh, he was the spirit uh, prompted him to go to the temple. Now we sh- we should be open to the promptings of God's spirit, and uh, because I'm sure all of us at times have been made aware of things, maybe to go and see someone or pray for some somebody comes strongly before your mind, pray for that person. I remember, I may have said this before, but I remember it was one of the many, many lessons that you learn. And sometimes you remember lessons, sometimes you forget. But I remember when, when we were in Miraford and I was at a presbytery in, in, in Roskine. And I was on my way home and it came very strongly in my mind to go and see this man who was in our congregation. And uh, there was nothing wrong with him. You know, he wasn't ill or anything like that. And, I said, oh, I'll go and see him in the morning. Because it, it wasn't too late, but it was, it was later on. And I said, oh, I'll, go, I'll go tomorrow, because it was so pressing. But that man died through the night. And uh, remember when I got news the next day, I, I felt terrible. Because there's no question whatever the Lord had placed that on my heart to go and see. And I said, oh, I'll, I'll put it in my mind. And I thought, because it seemed so pressing, I'll go the next day. So I'm sure we've all had experiences where we felt uh, it's like being, being pushed in a particular direction or to, about somebody or to go and see or do something to do. And we should be open uh, to the leading of God's Spirit where he prompts us in certain areas, certain things. Well, there's no doubt that this is what happened with, with Simeon. He was prompted to go to the temple. And Mary and Joseph came with uh, baby Jesus. And what I love about Simeon here is a wonderful spiritual discernment and understanding. Because here is a baby of 40 days old. And Simeon is filled with joy. And he takes baby Jesus in his arms, fully persuaded that this little baby that he's carrying is the Messiah, the Savior of the world. That's great faith. Because it's just, Jesus is just a little baby. And you know, there have been great elements, great moments of faith throughout Jesus' time here in this world. You think of the centurion below the cross, the centurion who was over the execution of Jesus. And do you remember at the end when it was all over and the centurion was looking at the broken, battered, bleeding body of Jesus? What did he say? Truly, this was the Son of God. If any person in this world looked less like the Son of God at that moment, it was Jesus. And yet that was the confession of the centurion. You think of the thief on the cross. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. At that moment, Jesus looked less like a king than anybody in this world. He was being put to death like a, as a criminal between two criminals. And put to death in the way that was reserved only for slaves and the worst of prisoners. In the most barbaric, cruel way. 
And he had been so beaten and flogged beforehand. And yet he turned and he said, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. That was great faith. And sometimes we dismiss our own faith. But you know, if you today believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, your faith is equally as great as that. Because you say to yourself, what great faith Simeon had in just holding this little baby of 40 days old and say, this is a Messiah. But you know, when you think about it, you believe in Jesus and your eyes have never seen him at all. The centurion and uh, the thief on the cross, they saw Jesus, although he never looked less like a king than at that particular moment. And that's why Jesus said to, to Thomas, remember when he said to Thomas, put in your hand, stretch out your fingers, put your fingers into the holes in my hands, put your hand into the hole in my side. Thomas said, no, no, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said, blessed are those whom having not seen yet believe. And that's where we are. We've never actually seen Jesus with our eyes. We see him with the eye of faith. And that's why there is so much blessing on that. Sometimes we, we put down on our faith and we wonder about our faith and we think, have I got faith? Well, if today you're laying hold upon Jesus and you fully believe in Jesus, then that's great faith. Because you're believing in the one your eyes have never seen but your heart has seen by faith. And so here's this Simeon and he takes Jesus uh, in his arms. And you know it's quite amazing when you think because as Simeon takes Jesus in his arms, Simeon actually is in Jesus' arms. Because as the Son of God, Simeon is being held by the Son of God. Although he has the incarnate Son in his hands. And you know, there's no safer place in the whole wide world than being in the arms and the hand of Jesus. Because there's no force or power in this world or even in hell that can prize open the grip that Jesus has on his people. It's the greatest security this world has ever known or ever seen. And so Simeon is so overwhelmed and he blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. You see, Simeon is so thankful to God for fulfilling that promise. Here he is. This is the actual promise that God gave. And now he has him in his hand. I've seen your salvation. I'm holding the one who is salvation. As the AV says, now let your servant depart in peace. And you know, that's a wonderful thought. Because Simeon is saying, now that your promise has been fulfilled, Lord, that's it, I'm ready now to go. And you know, at one level, any person who has seen the Christ by faith can say, now Lord, you can let your servant depart in peace. Because once you have come to see Jesus by faith, you are ready to leave this world. It's not that we're, we, it's not that we're looking, looking forward and saying, oh, I'm ready now, to, I want to die or something. But death no longer has the dread that it once had. 
We recoil at the thought of death. It's unnatural. It's just that which, which we hate. It causes so much pain and devastation within the lives of those who are left behind. It is a king of terrors as it has been described. But you know, for the Christian, the sting has been removed. That's what it's, we're told. You know, if you had a poisonous serpent and you were told the sting is removed, you could pick up that serpent and it wouldn't do you any harm. And so it is for death. It's still late, and it's still going to it's still going to come. But the sting of death has been taken. O grave, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? So you're letting your servant depart in peace. But you know, death really is just the gateway to glory. That's what it is at the end of the day. And Simeon is completely at peace. He says, Lord, you have fulfilled your promise. I'm ready now to go. It's, it's, it's something, something beautiful here. And it's to depart. You know, and Simeon actually is speaking about using the same words in many ways as Paul did. Remember how Paul said, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And then he says, it is better to depart and to be with Christ. And Simeon really in many ways is saying, excuse me, saying the same thing. The great question that we have to ask ourselves is this. If tonight a message were brought from heaven to you, supposing it was possible that tonight was to be your last night in this world, how would you, how would I react? Do we have the spirit of Simeon? And say, Lord, I'm ready. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Or that tonight Jesus is going to return. How would we react? It tells an awful lot about where we are, where our standing is, and how we react to these things. Because remember how it tells us in the book of Revelation. It shows us very clearly the different reactions. The church says, even so, come, Lord Jesus. Whereas those who are without Christ, when he does return, they're going to call on the rocks and the hills to cover them from the wrath of the Lamb. These are the two, there's only, there are only two reactions really. So where are we today? Are we like Simeon? We've seen the Lord's Christ. He is, we, only, we haven't just seen him, he's in our heart. He's our portion. We live with him, we live for him. And if so, then obviously we hope we have many more days. But if we don't, are we ready to go? If we're not, then it's time that we got ready. And there's only one way that we can get ready, and that is by meeting with Jesus. So ask him today, if you haven't already, that he will come into your heart and into your life. Let us pray. Lord our God, we give thanks for your word again. We give thanks for every blessing that we receive from it. We give thanks that your word teaches us so much, so much that we could never understand from a natural world. And we pray that we might be ready listeners, that we might be receptive to your truth. O Lord, bless us and pity us. Shine on us with your face. Cleanse us, we pray, from our every sin. Take us all home safely. Do us good. In Jesus' name we ask all. Amen.
Our concluding singing is from Scottish Psalter, Psalm 84, and we're going to sing verses 1 to 5. Psalm 84, verses 1 to 5, from the Scottish Psalter. How lovely is thy dwelling place, O Lord of hosts, to me. The tabernacles of thy grace, how pleasant, Lord, they be. My thirsty soul longs vehemently, yea, faints thy courts to see. My very heart and flesh cry out, O living God, for thee. Behold, the sparrow findeth out an house wherein to rest. The swallow also for herself hath purchased a nest. Even thine own altars where she safe, her young ones forth may bring. O thou almighty Lord of hosts, who art my God and King. Psalm 84 Uh, These verses, how lovely is thy dwelling place. social distancing on the way out and also to use hand sanitizer as well. Now may the grace, mercy and peace of God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit rest and abide upon each one of you now and forevermore. Amen. If you all stay safe and stay well.
Donald, Donald, du machst.